and welcome to Young Bucks, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospect podcast of choice here in the DC Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Jared Krugar. I'm out. So, Jared, how's it going, man? It's Friday, and when we're recording this, uh, obviously this airs on Saturday. Um, if you haven't noticed by my Twitter, I am now officially a movie star, appearing in Sweet Girl with Jason Momoa. I'm in the first scene. Um, if anybody can point out literally who I am and why I'm in there, um, please contact Alex and I, and I will not only give you a high five, I'll give you a pat on the back, and I'll buy you a Kerr burger if you can pick out who I am in the PNC Park scene to open the movie. Is this the first movie you've been a part of? This is, in fact, the first movie that I've been a part of. It filmed in 2019 in Pittsburgh, which is actually was the last say. time I was at PNC Park, which is absurd to me. Yeah. I remember you talking about that two years ago. That's why like a light bulb went over my head. Like, wait a minute. I remember, I remember you talking about this or I didn't know if you're just becoming a movie star. I mean, Jared, I, mean, I am a jack of all trades and a master of absolutely zero. Um, but maybe the movie career will take off now that they saw me look good um, walking down the stairs at PNC Park. But no, it, it was two weird years because, ago. yeah, right. It was in November. Um, you and I actually hung out while I was over there filming it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, or, or it might have been close to that time, but but no, it was crazy being. It's cold on the um, Clemente Bridge, uh, which is I think one of the fallacies in the movie is the opening scene. They're driving on the uh, on the Clemente Bridge, and the game is letting out. Well, that's not happening in real life. Um, but no, it was fun. It was cold on the bridge because we filmed in November, um, but. It was overall it was a really cool experience, and I'm glad that I got to see my face um, appear in a movie alongside Jason Momoa, of all people. Two leading men in Hollywood, Jason Momoa and Jared Prugar. I don't have a good transition into baseball from that, though. Well, you were just in Hollywood in L.A. Okay, okay, I was just in there um, covering baseball. That's right, and covering statistically, the Pirates. the Pirates were awful out there. Yes, they played like a bunch of minor leaguers. Speaking of Pirates minor leaguers, that's the worst transition we've done in since last season. week. <laughs> no, no, that's the worst one, Jared. That's the worst one. Get no. to the point, Alex. Let's go. Yes, let's actually get to the point. People have heard us ramble on for long enough. Let's talk stats, Jared. I like stats. I do, too. And this, this segment might come as a bit of a surprise for, for this, coming from the stats guy. On, on the Pirates beat. But let's talk about how stats relate to evaluating prospects because this is something that Steve Sanders and I talked about a little bit out in Cincinnati. It's something that I think we all need to take into consideration with the, whatever we're evaluating these guys. Stats is the easiest way to evaluate a player. It's especially up in the major league level. It's are they performing or are they not performing? It can be as simple as that. It's not as cut and dry for the minor leaguers, though. And you can't put a ton, a ton of stock into great results in Bradenton, in Greensboro, even though those are going to be cited all the time. There's definitely other factors for it. So, Jared, to, to finally get this first segment on track here whenever you're evaluating someone or looking at someone from let's say greensboro 
of course we're going to see stats more than we're going to see video out there, but do you get excited? Do you think to yourself like, yeah, let's promote this guy. Let's, or no, let's see if there's something that's a bit of an outlier out here. I mean, I think there are some peripheral stats that, that do matter. I think K percentage matters, walk percentage matters. But when you look at the grand scheme of things and you look at, let's say, at batting average, well, batting averages start out very, very low in April and May because people are just getting up there. The, the law of averages, they haven't had that many opportunities yet. So if I go one or I, if I go over three and then maybe one for six or whatever, yeah, my average is going to be low um, to start. So if you get yourself in a hole early, and it doesn't, the statistics don't tell the whole story. Obviously, you know, you can quantify home runs and RBIs and, and all things like that, but batting average and stuff like that, it, it's, it goes deeper than, than that. It goes deeper than, than seeing the batting average and seeing certain things. But I do think there's a good stock in certain statistics. It's just figuring out which ones that make sense to kind of follow and kind of to quantify really um, what you're trying to look for and how you're trying to evaluate um, these players. Yeah. And I guess I should have qualified whenever I talk statistics, I'm talking more like stat lines or slash lines, you know, home runs, extra base hits, that type of way, especially whenever you compare like home runs to extra base hits. There are a lot of times in these minor leagues that you could have 20 baseballs that are right on the edge of a home run or a double and a 15 go over the wall. Oh, he's a great power hitter. If 15 of them fall two feet shorter, it's like, Oh, well, he's got doubles power, you know, that type of thing. But no, I agree. I think there are some stats that you can put a lot into. And I think strikeout rate, like you mentioned is a big one. And I think we're seeing that a little bit, albeit in a very small sample here with the Anthony Alford up at the major league level where he had that outstanding, outstanding triple a slash line, but still a high strikeout rate. He comes up to the major leagues and he strikes out in over half of his plate appearances in before hitting the IL. Now that's obviously a huge jump in talent. That's obviously, you know, incredibly small sample size, but it's telling that, you know, you're, you are going to strike out more at least to start at the next level. No, and I think it's a good way to look at it, too. I mean, strikeout percentage to me is how many times is this guy striking out when he goes up to the plate? I mean, you look at a guy like Mason Martin, his his strikeout rate's in the 30s. That's crazy. Um, obvious, but he's also a guy that's hit 20 home runs. So there's a lot of give and take there, too. It's, it, it, if he strikes out a certain amount of times or a certain percentage of times, how much is that worth the risk if he's going to give you between 20 and 25 and 30 home runs? So you have to kind of figure that out too is what number is good and what number it gets you to the point where it's okay well this might not actually work what at what point do you have to kind of what percentage or or what number do you have to realize okay well we need to fix this and we need to do something about it asap yeah yeah and i mason martin i think is another great example is someone who has great raw power tools and it's translated into games like you said but he also has that near 30% strikeout rate in double A. I think the worst case scenario, whenever you have a hitter like that, is they turn into like a Brad Eldred. Oh, so big country, were, baby. Yeah, yes. you turn into big country where you do have that 20 home run power, maybe even hit it at the major leagues, 20, 30, whatever. But you strike out so often that it's just not worth it. 
and, it, and it's crazy to kind of qualify or quantify that as a, as a guy that's just coming up. So like, say, let's, let's, let's jump Mason Martin all the way up to professional baseball. He's now playing first base for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He strikes out, let's say 35% of the time, but he hits 25 to 30 home runs that coming from maybe an established big leaguer. Okay. Like, let's say, you know, Albert Pujols in his prime, you know, let's just use that as an example. Pujols strikes out however many times. That, and that's okay coming from Albert Pujols or somebody that's, you know, solidified at the first base position. But Mason Martin, you're, it's a guy that's younger. It's a guy that hasn't proven himself. Okay, well, now this is kind of alarming. We need to do something to fix it. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of depends on the player. But if you're a player like Mason Martin or, or that type of caliber player that doesn't have anything proven in the major leagues, well, how late, how long of a leash are you going to get that? Okay. Well, if you're going to strike out two out of three at bats, but you're going to put one in the river on that third at bat, how, how long is that, is that leash to get to that point? Yeah. And I think strikeout work rate also plays real nice along with walk rates for, for evaluating pitchers down there, especially relief pitchers in, in like AAA and for a lesser extent, I look at someone like Jared Jones who has an outstanding strikeout rate down in Bradenton. Okay. A lot of that is those kids just haven't seen stuff like Jared Jones has, but whenever it's that outrageously high, it's like, okay, that that's something. Right. It does. It does mean something. However, mm-hmm. there's so much more than meets the eye than just the statistics. There are just, it, they're kind of like onions, right? Let's quote Shrek here. They're, they have a bunch of different layers. <laughs> Um, and it, and it's true because like looking at uh, like, um, Thursday night, I was in Altoona, obviously I live in Altoona, but I went to a curve game and I saw, you know, Matt Frazier, Matt Frazier, I think hits the ball hard almost every time that he's up to bat. So, I mean, and he's able to hit it to all fields, which I think is, is huge, but the average, and when you look at a box score, well, you don't see how hard hit a ball is or where it's hit. You just see single, double, triple home run. It's not where the ball is hit. Is he going to the opposite field or the pool side? Is he, how was that, you know, when in the scorebook, you know, it's, well, Hey, that's a line drive in the book is, is an old adage when obviously it's a bloop single or or something like that. But, you know, so there's a lot more to to that meets the eye when it comes to statistics. It's, Hey, was this ball roped? Is this ball hitting the gap? Is this hip? Is, is he hitting it to the pole side? Is that all he's doing? Is he even able to hit it to the opposite field? So, I mean, there's just so much more than meets the eye with statistics. And, you know, you talked about relief pitchers where relief pitchers, their ERAs are always going to be ballooned because they have minimal opportunities to pitch. So if they give up one run or two runs, then boom, their ERA is just capiche. So, I mean, there's just so much more, but it's, it's figuring out what statistics that you want to pay attention to, what statistics matter, and kind of going from there. I'm not going to be able to top a point that starts off with, let's quote Shrek here. Listen, we should win a lot of awards, and those awards for this podcast should begin and end with ceasing and exist. Well, we're going to take a break. Whenever we come back, one of those players who's had that outstanding slash line, though, kind of flies a little bit in the base, but also, you know, just how do you evaluate someone like this? Because Matt Frazier just absolutely tore up Greensboro, went to Altoona. Whenever we look at stats, like, is this guy being challenged? It looked like it was time for him to face a new challenge. He's in Altoona right now. Jared Prugar talked with the Pirates. I, fastest, probably fair to say, 
the guy who went from non-prospect to big-time prospect the most this year. Right, and that's something that we touched about too because in 2019, you know, if you would have t- brought uh, the name Frazier to me, I would not have thought of Matt Frazier. But now with the season that he's having um, in both Altoona and Greensboro because he's picked up right where he's left off. You know, Thursday night I got to see him in, play in person for the first time all year, and I think he's going to be a plus defender. Um, now that I realize that he is only an outfielder, I was, you know, for the longest time I was playing with a pipe dream that he would be a first baseman and take over for Mason Martin uh, when Mason Martin got called up, which I don't think is going to happen at this point. Um, but he's picked up right where he's left off, but he's spraying the ball with power to, to all fields. And when that happens, man, that's a really good problem to have. You know, you look at his 2000 or his 2021 stats, you know, through both levels, he's hitting. 323, uh, you know, this is entering Friday night's, uh, these are entering Friday night's contests, obviously. He's got 21 homers, 56 RBIs, and 114 hits. And his OPS is, nine, is 991, you know. So there's a lot there. But, you know, you look at, let's say, 2019, he was not anywhere near that. He's, he hit 221 uh, for West Virginia uh, for the Black Bears. Yeah. Now he only appeared in 43 games. Now, of course, that short season, but he only has six extra base hits and no home runs. Well, no home runs to 21 home runs without a season in between is quite the jump, in my opinion. You know what? Let's just let the podcast or the interview do the talking here. Jared and Matt Frazier, whenever we get back. podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. This week, I caught up with Matt Frazier just before the game uh, that they played on Thursday night in Altoona. Here's what we had to talk about. Welcome to Altoona, and, and how has this adjustment been for you going from high A Greensboro uh, to double A Altoona? Uh, thanks for having me on, but uh, the difference, there's little differences here and there, like uh, just getting used to the guy, all the guys, the new guys, uh, Get acclimated with that, and new coaches, the new staff. But uh, no, baseball is all the, it's the same. The uh, guys just a little throwing a, a tad bit harder, more around the zone, throwing all pitches for more strikes. But you know, it's the same game, so it's not not that big of an adjustment. Just a little bit, little just little things you notice here and there. Now, you've had you've been on a tear on at both levels. What's gone into that, and kind of what's your mentality been at the plate? Uh, you know, it's a lot of hard work, uh, and it's just coming out to show this year. Uh, you know, uh, having a year off from COVID really, like, makes you really wanting to get back out on the field and just wanting to compete every day. So having that will give me, a, like, a little edge. But uh, at the play, you know, I'm on my best when I'm just I'm just thinking, uh, well, not really thinking, honestly, just trying to hit the ball where it's pitched and hit it hard and put a good swing on it. But, yeah, when I'm best, I'm not really didn't get too much at the plate, so I feel like that's helped me a lot too. Now, looking at some fr- film of you from 2019 to 2021, it looks like you made some minor mechanical adjustments in your swing. What went into that, and, and really, what did you do to, that's helped to get to, to this point? Yeah, uh, 2019, I was I, I was looking at video too. Uh, I wasn't really in a good spot to hit at all. So, uh, you know, we went a bunch of hitting camps and uh, found a, where I could be my both my best. Uh, best athletic and get my best swing off and be in a good hitting spot to hit so uh 
you know, just getting in my, be able to use my legs more and upright stance, be more athletic at the plate. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's definitely helped me at the plate this year, just bringing out the, because I'm athletic, bringing out the athleticism in, in my swing uh, to the plate, yeah. Um, when you have a COVID year where you have a year off, what and you're actually able to work on those mechanical things, you might not be able to work on uh, in a normal year. How does that help? Uh, I think it's the same. I uh, just did an extended period of it where, I mean, the same thing I was doing the whole off season. I just kept on going during the COVID year. So I honestly think uh, not much. It, was, it wasn't that much of a difference from the from the off season work to like during the COVID year. But I mean, just just going about it. I mean, it was kind of monotonous a little bit where you just kept on practicing practicing but like you just kind of kept kept doing it just you never know especially that year I didn't know if we were going to come back mid through, midway through the year or whatever so I was just staying ready the whole time and then uh sure enough uh we went to instructs and uh was able to show with my workout and, uh, out of new trucks that year. now when you look at certain prospect lists you really don't find your name does that impact you does that bother you do you use that as a how does that impact your game and, and what do you, what do you think of that uh, I see it, but now it doesn't really bother me at all because, uh, you know, if these riders were right, like, it, I mean, the, the sports wouldn't be sports. So, uh, no, I mean, I, I hit, look at it here and there, but I don't really, I could care less about what they say or whatever. It's just, I just control whatever I can control. Uh, you know, people are allowed to have their opinions, so I try not to let it bother me. Now that you're in Altoona, um, what's next? What's next for Matt Frazier? Uh, I don't know, I'm just, just trying to be the same, uh, you know, just go about my business every day and uh, just get put into work and, I mean, nothing really changes. Now, the at the plate, you're having a great year and defensively you're having a solid year too. What's gone into that as, as you become the best defender that you can? Uh, I feel like I've always taken pride in my defense, uh, you know, uh, just from an early age on. Like, at your defense, you can have good defensive days. You're not, yeah, at the plate, you're not always going to get a, a hit or two or driving a run, so... But you can always have a good defensive day, so I feel like I take I take pride in my defensive work and uh, you know just going out during practice every day and trying to get better at it. But for like uh, you know just take, I feel like defense you take pride in it and you just get better. So I feel like that's helping me right there. What's something that you want Pirates fans to know about you as the player and what you, what they can expect from you every time you're out on the field? Uh, you, you expect uh, you're gonna get try, you're gonna get the same guy. Uh, you get every day, uh, just a guy out there trying to have fun and help his team win every day. Now, you've only been in Altoona a couple days because you joined the team on the road. What do you think of the coaster? Uh, I actually haven't seen it going yet. Uh, I thought I was going to see it going today, but no, I haven't seen it in action yet. But uh, it looks a little old. Uh, I think I'm going to have to just try to get on it right at once. But other than that, I would probably not see me on it again. But try to ride it once just for the moment experience now in greensboro they have what was that townhouses in the in the outfield and you hit a couple it looked like near them is that when you see the ball coming off the bat like that what are your thoughts when you hit the ball that far uh you know so i got my good i got a pitch and i didn't miss it uh i mean it feels really good one of the best feelings in the world but uh not much thinking other than i ride got a good i really hit that one good now are you a coaster guy uh, i actually am yeah there's a six flags out in California, like three hours from from, and uh, don't get many chances to go out there. But I do. I've, I've gone, and I really like it a lot. I am very certain that this will not come anywhere near the experience you had at Six Flags. Whenever you get to ride the Skyliner, now when you see O'Neill Cruz taking batting practice and he puts it off the Skyliner, 
what, when you're joining that lineup with him and, and Sawinski and Mason Martin, um, and you're hitting leadoff uh, more often than not, from what I've seen, what goes into that? What do you think about that? And, and really, uh, how does that help you as a hitter? Oh, well, just, I mean, seeing O'Neill uh, Cruz when he hits batting, it's a whole different. It is different when he hits. Uh, no, he's he's insane. He's incredible. So can't wait to have him get back from DL. But uh, uh, batting later, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I could bat all spots, but like as a leadoff guy, for me, I'm trying to try to get on base, uh, see pitches. But I mean, at the same time, just be me where I feel like I'm a I'm a uh, say passive, but I'm a very patient hitter. So just waiting for my pitch, and then pitch makes a mistake, I take advantage of it, and then. Getting two strikes, just battle until, until I get a good pitch to put in play or something like that. Now, for somebody that hits for a decent amount of power, is it, you don't really see that out of the leadoff spot. Does that change your mentality at the plate, or how does that impact you uh, when you're at the dish? No, I think it's it's all the same. Hitting's hitting where, uh, I mean, leadoff, you just, I mean, Ricky Hennepin hits home runs at leadoff, but uh, no, I don't, I don't really change where, not really honestly where I'm batting in the lineup. It's all the same where you get a good pitch to hit, you can drive it, but. Batting order doesn't matter, to be honest. I mean, there's some, I think more so the the, uh, the moments in the games, like trying to drive in a runner, I feel like that changes a little bit. But, the, I mean, the batting order, you get more opportunities of, like, where you are. But now, you know, just trying to get on base and hit the ball hard. Great, Matt. I thank you, as always, for joining us. And good luck tonight. Podcast the BK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network, your Pittsburgh Pirates Prospects Podcast of choice. We thank, as always, you know Matt Fraser for joining us, uh, and thanks to all players for taking time out of their days when they come and talk to Alex and, and talk baseball with us for our lovely Young Bucks podcast. We did get a question um, on our Twitter for the segment three. We opened it up literally, literally just five minutes before we started this uh, recording to, to questions from our uh, fancy followers. Uh, we have at book rule double Do the pirates have a potential number one starter currently in their farm system. Alex, what do you think? Because if I'm not mistaken, we actually agree on something again. Yeah, I think, I think it was the guy in Altoona, you know, Ronzi Contreras. I think he's the big arm in this system right now. And like Priester, I, I'm still really high on on him, and if people listen to uh, my podcast to be named later, uh, I talked with Ben uh, Spanier from Baseball Prospectus. He's watched a lot of Quinn Priester, and I think he maybe talked a little bit. You know, it's something people needed to hear. You know, Priester took that huge jump last year, and there was a, if he takes a similar jump, he's going to be one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. Okay. That was all that second jump would be humongous for it to happen. Still really good pitching prospect. There's a reason why he's top 50 something or, or wherever he is like, you know, very solidly, like he's going to be a major league pitcher. He is, you know, probably the best pitching prospect in terms of like, once you take safety into consideration, but Contreras has the biggest stuff I think in this system right now. No, I agree. Um, obviously, and he's he's nearing a comeback. He's nearing his return from the uh, uh, from the IL. But yeah, I mean, he's got the stuff, man. I mean, you've seen it in person. I've seen it in person. 
that to me is number one stuff. And I, and I have, you know, I've been fortunate enough over the last four or five years that I've been covering Pirates prospects to see guys, you know, you know, future number one starters, what could be future number one starters. And, and especially like guys like Mitch Keller, who, you know, when he pitched in Altoona, he was dominant and he was a number one starter type guy. And Contreras is like that. Contreras is a bulldog in the mound. You know, you, we talked about the adversity that has hit him, you know, and he's, he came back and handled it admirably. So, yeah, I think Contreras is that guy right now. So it'll be very interesting to see how he continues to progress and how he rebounds from being sidelined for so long. I still want him to pitch an inning in the majors. I'm being incredibly selfish. She's on the 40, man. Let's make September interesting. Just, just a spot, you know, whatever, inning or two. Who's that going to hurt? No, I mean, I, honestly, I think you give a chance to Yahuri, too, who's back off the I.L. Yahuri, if he's not in the major leagues by the end of this year, I, I am going to have a hissy fit of a column. <laughs> well, that's not very nice. Unless it's like, unless it's quite literally injury and all signs are pointing that he's doing very well at the rehab. He's in Indianapolis right now. Like it's, <laughs> if they choose to shut him down rather than pitch in the major leagues, that's going to be, that's going to be a bad, ugly column. <laughs> No, and, and that's, you know, I think that's something, too, that, listen, what's it? the Pirates aren't getting any better this year. You might as well see what you've got. And, you know, we, we talk about this quite a bit, and I've talked about this, you know, with guys like Mitch Keller and, and even Cole Tucker to an extent. You know, you go up and you, you kind of press when you go up to the major leagues and, and you see, hey, listen, like, now you know what it's all about. Well, get that out of the way now so that in 2022, you don't have to worry about it. These guys know what it's like to be major leaguers. They know what to expect. And you see what you got. It's an, it's an evaluation period. I think between now and the end of the season, it's just got to be purely about evaluating because let's be real here. You know, is Anthony Alford uh, part of the future in Pittsburgh? No. Is maybe Ben Gamble? Maybe, but listen, let's be real. And, and this is kind of the, the crappy situation with Travis Swaggerty getting hurt. Swaggerty could be getting a lot of reps um, in the major leagues right now. Well, yeah. good, good, bad, or indifferent, but you know, it's just one of those situations where these guys Let's get him, get him up there and get him, get him evaluated. See what Contreras can do. You know, you, you've done it with Rodolfo Castro, right? And he's in a, he's mired in a big slump, you know, see what you've got, get them adjusted to the professional, to the, to the major league game now. So that that's something, that's one less thing you have to worry about in 2022. You can just hit the ground running out of spring training. You know, you open the season at home, give, give the fans, give the people what they want. They want the young guys. Listen, nobody, let's be real. Is Kevin Newman in the future? No. Um, Colin Moran, maybe Jacob Stallings, eh, he's going to have to be until Henry Davis is ready. But they're just, you know, you have and Wilmer Defoe. No, let's let's call spade a spade. And Defoe. These guys, Defoe. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, getting, not, not Willem Defoe. <laughs> Jesus. I'm listen, Movie I'm star status is getting to Jared's head. That's right. Hollywood is killing, is killing me. Um, but I'm not the monster here. You are anyway. Um, more Shrek, Shrek coats. I had to get that in there, but you know, this is just get them up there and evaluate them because like I said, get the, get that, those first call up jitters out of the way, you know, as long as it doesn't impact them significantly, get them up, get them out of the way and see what you've got, because you've got to get started. You've got to get, you know, you, if you're working for 2022, 2023, anyway, this is the, this is the part of the season you do it because what's it going to hurt? You're going to go get boat race most games anyway. So do it now, get it out of the way and see what you got for next year. Because guess what? 
it's not going to get any better anytime soon. The Pirates might not win a game the rest of the week. Well, I I like to imagine I'll cover at least one winning game on the road on a road trip. That's that's kind of a nice, you know. Hey, everyone's happy. Let's write those types of games. But no, to to wrap up, uh, in answer to the question, I think Contreras has the best probability of being a number one starter. Priester, I see as the best probability of being like a, a big front of the rotation guy. My sleeper would be Jared Jones for one of those two roles. No, I, and I agree there. I think that's, you know, you talk about Jared Jones and, and I mean, you were able to sit down and talk to him this week too. Um, but it's a situation where, listen, the, the jury's still out on, on guys like Jared Jones and Quinn Priester, but we've seen a lot of stuff that we can quantify with, with Contreras, but, you know, get those guys up there, see what they can do. You know, I know that Ben Sherrington said earlier in the season, they want to challenge guys, but not overwhelm them. Well, challenge them and see what you got. You know, pressure makes diamonds. Um, pressure makes a lot of different things, but it's just one of those situations. Get them up, see what they can do. And, and now guess what? Now we're going to the off season. We say, Hey, listen, Contreras, maybe not be, can't, maybe he can't handle this. Maybe Quinn Priester can't handle double a pitching. Maybe Jared Jones is, is struggling at, at high A. Now they know how they can help them moving forward and, and help the organization as they gear up for the 2022 season. And with that, we will thank you for listening to this episode of Young Bucks here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Be sure to subscribe wherever you find fine podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts, we're there too. And be sure to listen on Sunday. Jared has the We Are podcast. I have the podcast to be named later on Thursdays. Lots of good stuff here. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.